Welcome to Walking with Angels. I'm your host, Amy Taylor. I'm going to try and do a quick rundown of um, the angels in my life and um, not get too deep into the experiences of each of their um, lives and what they meant to me and that what they're passing um, from this life to the next life meant to me. So when I was 10, my grandma Cooper passed away. She was 80 years old. We were very close to her. My whole family was. We spent a lot of time at her and grandpa's home. Um, and in, uh, let's see, and five years later, my grandpa Cooper passed away. And we were also very close. We stayed at his house with him quite often and were very involved in his life. I think it was really interesting, uh, them both being um, later in life, that we, you know, looked at it as, you know, it's their time to go. You know, their grandma was 80, grandpa was 89, and um, they'd lived long, full lives. When grandpa passed away, we felt it was a sweet, you know, a bittersweet thing that he and grandma were together now. They didn't have to be apart anymore. Watching my grandpa live without my grandma for five years was really hard. It like we could tell, we could tell that every day he missed her. And so with um, him passing away, there wasn't as much sadness as there have been with other experiences. And we were happy for him to be with the family that he had lost and was just on the other side of that door. And then when I was 19, um, my grandpa, Meekum, we called him Papa Mick, he passed away and he was 69. He passed away from cancer. It was hard. He seemed young. You know, he was young for a lot of people, you know, especially compared to my grandma and grandpa Cooper. We all miss him very, very much. And it was hard to watch um, as he just those, the last days before death, he was just um, very sick in a lot of pain, um, had to have a lot of assistance. And that's hard. It's hard when someone goes from doing everything that they do for themselves and they're not happy about having to have someone else do it for them. But I did have an opportunity to go out and stay with grandma and papa in their house and just be helpful, you know, help grandpa. And, um, there were, me there's medicine he was taking that he didn't like, and he didn't want to take it. And it was, and grandma told me to take, take it to him because he would take it for me and not for her. <laughs> I was glad to spend the time with him, but, um, I was really glad for the times before, um, that we got to do things together. Those are the memories that you hold on to you know, more is the things you did together um, when they felt well and when um, he felt like himself. And I think that um, that was really hard. He was younger. Um, then I got married in 2007 and Grandpa Mick, Papa Mick passed away in 2003. So after he had passed away, I went on a mission, finished uh, my cosmetology school, um, I finished cosmetology school. And then I went on a mission to Scotland. And then I came home 
and then I got married. And in that time, um, my sister, Katie, had had uh, Mary and Toby. Toby was a baby when I left on my mission. And I was super sad that I was going to miss his little baby years and going to miss them. But they they loved me and they still remembered me when I got back. So I guess it was okay. Right. Um, so when I got back, um, my sister got pregnant and, um, in like the second trimester beginning of, um, they found out that her baby had, um, some developmental problems and, um, just development, um, wasn't what it, should be it was um not normal and uh, as she progressed they did lots of ultrasounds to see you know what they could hope for and um our hannah was born with a syndrome called a cardi syndrome and um it affects the the development of the bones um but the yes it's you can look it up um, and um, kind of get a better idea if you want to. But basically, she had um, uh, she couldn't walk on her own. She was in a wheelchair. Um, she could say a few words, but they were like we could understand them. But to other people, they were just kind of like sounds. But mostly you just knew when she was happy. She had happy sounds and she had um, the don't touch me sounds and she had the I don't feel good kind of uh, sounds. And you just kind of got to where we knew what her sounds were. And her little life of four years was full of, you know, going to the hospital and seeing doctors and getting a new wheelchair and then getting a new wheelchair and having to have pins put in to help her sit up straighter. There was a lot of um, physical pain, I think, that came in those little four years, but there was a lot of joy. Um, There was a lot of toenail painting and fingernail painting and haircuts and birthday parties and um, wheelchair rides. And yeah, it was was a wonderful time. Um, And we are super grateful for the four years that we got. Yeah. So, um, in my life, uh, Hannah, um, became an angel. It was kind of, uh, I I don't know what the word is anticipated, but, (laughs) but it was anticipated for four years. So we didn't know if she would live when she was born. And then when she would get a cold, we didn't know if she would get better. And when she went in for surgery, we didn't know if she'd come out. It was it was like that for four years. We just didn't know. We didn't know if she would still be with us. We were functioning on day-to-day, grateful for today. So in those four years, we really took advantage of the time that we had. And we just hoped and prayed that when the time come that we would all be okay right um and that we would look to our father in heaven um for peace and comfort and i had two little girls at the time 
um, Brooklyn was born right after Hannah and then Brianne was born um, a couple years later. So I had a three-year-old and a 18-month-old, I think. Brianne was really young when Hannah passed away. Um, but we tried to make it a spiritual experience and a learning experience and not induce trauma, which, you know, you really have to be careful. You have to be careful with little people, um, little tiny ones, because you're not sure how much they understand. Um, so you just kind of move slow and you give them what you think they need and you need to be open to questions of all kinds. And I think that that's one of the things that that Hannah's passing did for me as a parent was to be ready for questions that were hard to answer. Um, why did Hannah have to pass away or die? And why did Heavenly Father want her to come back to live with him when she was pretty happy here, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, in Brooklyn, when she was, you know, three, she asked was Hannah not happy here? Like, because she left, right? And when we say she left us or she went to Heavenly Father, it's like, well, why did she do that? Doesn't she like us? And it's really interesting because little people see things in a different way. Um, it, it, it's just the way it is. And so, you know, you have to be open to questions and then answer them as they come. And, um, I had some special experiences with Hannah, um, Hannah's passing. Um, I didn't know it was going to happen, um, but afterwards I was praying with the girls and like sitting by their bed as they were going to sleep. And I usually sang to them. And after I was done singing and they had fallen asleep, I kind of just sat there and I was praying and just asking, you know, for peace. And I asked Heavenly Father to bless my sister, Katie. I knew she was having a really hard time. And um, I had this vision in my mind that um, of Hannah. And she didn't look like she did on earth. Um, her body was not in the same state um she still did look young but um not as young as when she passed away and um she was smiling and she was happy and she was um concerned for the people here that she left but she knew it would be okay like it was like it was just all communicated like in one kind of blast of, of thought and feeling. And it was just really interesting. And, um, and then it went away. And I, the next day I called my sister to talk to her and just, I, I think I actually wrote her a letter. I think I did. I wrote her a letter and it had been weeks, quite a few weeks since um, Hannah had passed away. And I just told her that she wasn't the only one that missed her. 
basically. And I think that's one of the things that we need to remember that when people are grieving for someone that was very close to them, a child or a parent, that they think after the funeral and after the flowers stop coming and after the phone calls stop, that everyone else has just moved on and they need reminders that they're not the only one that misses them. That's not all of Hannah's story, but it's quite a bit of it. Um, Then 2019 um, was a very difficult year. Um, So in my dad had hemochromatosis, um, which is a blood disorder. um, And it progressed into leukemia. Um, The form is called acute myeloid leukemia and it um, moves quite quickly once it turns into acute myeloid leukemia. Um, Most people will have a leukemia in between there and my dad didn't. It just, it just happened very quickly. Um, So we had Christmas 2018. He wasn't feeling good. He was very, very tired. Um, but he just did his best. My dad just pushed through things. He he wasn't someone who whined or complained and he could handle quite a bit of pain and he could push through tiredness quite, you know, if dad was tired, he, he usually, if he had something to do, he would get it done. Um, but at, you know, when I was young, he went to bed at nine and he woke up at seven that's what he did. He had a very, if he did that, he could do a lot of things throughout the day. So um, he pushed through, I think, a lot of the tiredness and pain that he was going through. Um, And um, then got very sick. Um, But I think he just realized that he was sick and that he needed to do something. Um, And so mom and him went out to the hospital in January first week. And um, we're able to get admitted to the Huntsman Center in Salt Lake City. And um, there were, you know, he did some chemotherapy and some of it went well and some of it didn't go well and some of it was really hard. Um, But in, uh, by March 18th, um, his body just... um, couldn't handle everything that was happening and um, his spleen ruptured. And um, after that, it was just hours until he died. And um, in some ways, we were expecting it. In some ways, we were holding out hope that he would get better. It was very difficult to judge because of his stamina um, and his drive to get better. Um, and there were there was like a few days in the middle there that we, there's a couple of weeks that we thought things might turn around and he might come home. And um, it was a really hard time. 
um, I was pregnant and going through morning sickness and trying to decide if, you know, I needed to be out with my dad more or home taking care of my kids or, you know, taking care of myself. It was very difficult to judge what I should be doing and where I should be and what was best. It was very difficult. Um, but I did spend quite a bit of time out in Salt Lake with mom and dad, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, so, you know, two and a half months isn't very long to prepare for someone to pass away. Um, but it was some time. And for that, I'm grateful. Um, then in June of the same year, 2019, um, my father-in-law had an accident and, um, died. <laughs> At this point, I was seven months pregnant with my fourth child and um, still grieving um, over my dad and and we made it through <laughs> um I don't know how we made it through, but we did. Um, there was a lot of sleepless nights. Um, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of um, not doing, not, not over scheduling ourselves. Um, we felt like we needed to just focus on the absolute necessary things. Um, spending time together as a family, spending time with um, my family and my husband's family. And um, I think we still did. Um, it was summer when Bruce passed away. So we did, we weren't doing like school groups and um, school at that time. And that was really good because um, it kind of gave us the space to be together um, and heal. Um, but I was also very pregnant. And so I was not up for big excursions. <laughs> I was like, I'm just staying home. I got to stay home. I and there were times when I would go to my mom's house, but it was like, I didn't have lunch. You know, I didn't take lunch with us. I didn't take dinner with us. We just went and whatever grandma had to eat, we would eat. And it was, it was very um, essential living only. Like there was no, it was, it was very, what's the word, survival mode. And, um, oh goodness, it was. 
it was very difficult. And then um, as I was preparing to have my baby, um, we have chosen to do uh, home births with a very competent midwife. And um, there was this, oh, there was a fear in me, but it wasn't fear like I'm just so afraid. It was like, I'm trusting you, God. Please don't take this baby from me. And it's really hard hard to explain why I felt like my baby might not live. Um, I think it was because of the stress that I had been under throughout his pregnancy but it was also in the last two months I mean last six months I had lost my dad and my father-in-law and I knew That if it was part of God's plan to take that baby back to heaven, there was nothing I could do about it. So I prayed and I pleaded. that that wasn't part of the plan. Because if it was, I had three little kids that I would have to explain again So on August 13th, uh, Franklin was born and um, his birth was not an easy one. None of my births have been easy. Um, They have all been very hard. Um, And if it weren't for um, a very competent midwife and prayers and help from the other side, we wouldn't have made it through. Everything turned out okay. And um, he is fine. And he was fine. It is really interesting when you ask questions, you ask God questions about things you should do or not do and what you feel peace about or not feel peace about. And um, we felt peace about having um all of our babies at home and um, it always has been okay Um, and I'm so grateful 
so grateful that um, the experiences that I had through 2019 um, have blessed my life and blessed me and my children um, in a way that we know without a doubt that the people who pass on and die in this life continue to live in the next life that they are still there they're still alive they are still concerned about us and our lives and um there's this mortal existence that is just for whatever reason we are here and we cannot see the other side very well some of us can see it better than others i'm not one of them i can feel the presence of spirits i can hear when they speak to me i know the difference between people you know spirits that have a name and i know the difference from the holy ghost and i know the difference from my savior's voice and my father in heaven's voice they are all different people and they have individual voices. They have individual feelings and personages. They are all separate. And I know the difference. I can feel it and I can hear it. And um, I, throughout my life, throughout my life, I have come to understand that angels are with us. They are among us. They are helping and blessing us. They are carrying us through hard times. Um, there are times that we know that we couldn't do whatever we're doing on our own power. And that that power is coming from somewhere else. In doing um, the podcast and um, sharing these experiences, I hope to build faith in the understanding that angels are with us. They walk with us. They sit with us. They cry with us. They mourn with us. And they joy with us. And sometimes they literally carry us. So um, we're going to bring this one to a close. Um, I hope that this has given you a good idea of what I've experienced in my life. Um, the position that I'm coming from where um, I know angels are real and I know God sends us angels that bless us and help us and um, that our loved ones are not far. And just because we can't see them or hear them doesn't mean they're not there and it doesn't mean they're not busy. 
doing things on the other side. Um, I'll do another podcast episode where I talk about um, my dad's um, passing and some of the experiences I had with that that are just, um, they were tender, they were just wonderful, um, wonderful experiences that opened my eyes to understanding um, a person's purpose after they leave this life. We're not sitting on clouds singing praises. We're not. There's work to be done. And I don't know how that work is done. And I don't understand because I have a mortal mind. And that mortal mind can only handle so much. And with that said, um, I know that our loved ones are anxiously engaged, helping us in our lives, helping others that need found. um, And that missionary work is happening on the other side. Um, There are so many people who have died without the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And someone's got to teach it to them. You don't just go from this life into the next life and understand everything. That's not how it works. One day we'll understand everything, but not when we die. We might get some of what we need to understand. But I don't think it all comes in like a flood. I think it still is very line upon line. Um, And this process after we pass away through death into the life after this, there will be people who are still searching. They're still searching for truth. They're still searching for Jesus. And that they need to be taught about it just like they would have here. Um, And that that's happening on the other side. Um, I am so grateful for angels and their, the miracles that have happened in my life. The ones I know about are so, um, it's, it's such a wonderful blessing. And the things that I know have happened to help protect me or my children um, are such a blessing. And then I think about <laughs> all of the miracles that have happened that I don't know of, but I knew that, do know that God loves us and he wants us to know that our loved ones are not gone. And um, I'll say bye for now and that you are loved and you're watched over and you're walking with angels.